What's the New York Giants identity? How will they potentially navigate life without Saquon Barkley? We discuss all that and more with special guest Mike Golick Jr. on today's Locked On Giants podcast coming your way next. You are Locked On Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This episode of the Locked On Giants podcast is brought to you by Prize Picks. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL and use the promo code locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL for a first deposit up to $100. Hello, New York Giant fans, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Giants podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast family, your team every day. My name is Patricia Chena. And happy to have you with us on this Wednesday, day before the New York Giants visit the San Francisco 49ers for a Thursday night football matchup. And we're going to talk about the Giants today with our special guest. He is Mike Golick Jr. He is the host of the Gojo and Golick podcast, which is found on the DraftKings Network weekday morning show from 8 a.m. to 10 a.m., on Samsung TV Plus and DraftKingsNetwork.com. And you can find it wherever you get podcasts. Mike, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Okay, great to have you get as always. This is Mike's second time on the podcast. All right, Mike, let's start off with this Giants team. You know, two games in, Six quarters of football, six straight quarters of, of scoreless football. They finally break it open against the Cardinals. No idea. I have no idea what identity this team has. Do you see an identity developing with this team? I, I don't at this point. I see a team that had displayed resiliency, right? Because you mentioned the start to this season for a team that is looking to take the next step, which means they're still a young team. They're still a malleable team. They made some moves this offseason that we've talked about on here to try and make this season one where they can continue to build on that success. But to start off with a 40 to nothing drubbing in the division the way they did against Dallas, who is a Super Bowl roster, is a loaded roster, and who is going to be a strength on weakness in a way that was always going to be tough for them. But game script-wise, we know that got out of hand in a way that I even said I didn't think was totally indicative of what this Giants offense is going to be. But you compound that with the first half of week two against the team in Arizona. Listen, I think it's going to prove to be a lot tougher out all year long. Jonathan Gannon can coach defense. We're going to wait to see if all the pew-pew-pew hand motions can translate into offense, especially for a team that seems like it's been openly tanking. But defensively, we still know what he's capable of as a coordinator and a head coach. And so I wasn't totally surprised given the two-week sample size. But for them to be blanked in the first half, all of it tremendously humbling. So they get a lot of credit from me for battling back in that second half, one where you're also dealing with the ramifications of the Saquon Barkley injury and the effect that that's going to have on your offense. The problem is, is for a team that, like you said, is still searching for an identity. Who are they going to be on offense? Are they going to push more on Daniel Jones' soldier? Are they going to try and push the ball downfield more to Jalen Hyatt? Like we saw in the you know, one of the few brief, bright moments in this game, how are you going to do that when early in the season you've got you know, the uh, Cowboys in week one and now the 49ers on a short week here, like you said, where, man, 
that ain't the place to go to find yourself. We saw that for Pittsburgh in week one. This 49ers team is this complete an outfit coming back in the NFL and playing like the fullest version of themselves to start the season as any team we have in football. So unfortunately, I don't think we get any meaningful answers about the Giants on that front this week because they're going up against an opponent that is going to outmatch a lot of people, I believe the Giants included. Exactly. And we'll talk a little bit about some concerning matchups in just a minute, but I want to go back to the Saquon Barkley point you you mentioned. Now, Saquon is going to be sidelined for about three weeks, depending on his rehab. How does that Giants offense change without Saquon in the lineup? Yeah, it's massive because despite the conversation that we've had about running backs over the course of this year, he's still one of the more talented backs in this league and versatile backs and a team that you know, last year, so much of their identity had been built on the ground, and that was including, you know, more of the under center stuff, just a, a hyper focus on that, even excluding Daniel Jones and his legs. You know, he ended up being the leading rusher in, or the second leading rusher in this game behind Saquon Barkley after he went down. And, and rightly, that should be the way that you employ Daniel Jones at this juncture in his career. Yes, we all want to see him develop into a more consistent, reliable down in and down out drop back passer. But in the meantime, He's a gifted athlete, and so to continue to use that portion of things is a lot more effective when you've got the threat of Saquon Barkley as the other guy in that backfield. Now, Matt Breed is a guy who's been around the league and certainly is, is respected, but he is not nearly the dynamic athletic threat that Saquon Barkley is, who also knows your offense in the way that he does and got used to the things in year one that helped make this group one's run. So it's a huge loss. It's a big security blanket, but also just a talented, versatile piece. And then the conversation about running backs, guys that can do as much as Saquon can, I do think in that value world are extremely valuable because of the options they present a defense when they're on field. So how can they compensate for his loss, though? I mean, obviously, you know, Matt Breed is going to take the running back, snaps the bulk of it. But what can they do? Do they get maybe, I don't know, Jalen Hyatt more involved? Do they do, you know, more 12 personnel? I mean, what can they do to kind of smooth over that big gap, which, you know, they can't totally smooth it over, but try to fill it? No, they can't. And you're right. Listen, in the ideal world this year, it was always going to be, well, Hey, Darren Waller, who got targeted a bunch in this game and was pretty effective overall, six for 76. Like Those were always the guys you wanted to see help take that next step. And Jalen Hyatt, just because of what he represents, right? A true downfield speed threat. This was a Giants team that had to sort of remake their entire receiver room on the fly last year. And so him coming in with that talent would be huge for alleviating a lot of that stress. And so I think that would certainly be a big part of that. Can the big play passing attack step up and maybe offset some of the more consistent stuff underneath. And then it's going to have to continue to be Daniel Jones' legs being a viable threat because I pointed this out a lot when we talked about running backs like Miles Sanders from last year, running backs that are going to have to deal increasingly with the present threat of quarterback run as a reason why teams might be less inclined to pay them. When you've got a quarterback who can take off and hold the backside of a defense, that backside defensive end, that backside linebacker, with just the threat of their running as a presence, you all of a sudden have value split up in the backfield in a way that doesn't necessarily help running backs get paid, but does help them run with more open lanes. And so I think they're going to have to rely even more on Daniel's ability as a rusher, which I know scares the hell out of everyone because obviously then you're more open to injury the more shots you're taking in the open field. But you got to trust him to take hits off when he can, get down when he can, but also put him on display. That's a guy that we put up all those miles per hour stats about how he was running basically as fast as Lamar Jackson all the time. 
let him prove that and wear it out over and over again, especially while your offensive line has been banged up at certain parts and young in others. Mike, when you look at this Giants offense, obviously it starts up front with the offensive line. The Giants, two weeks, two different uh, versions of the offensive line, partially you know, necessary due to injury, the Andrew Thomas with the hamstring. They put a couple of young guys in there, Marcus McCathin at uh, right guard. They put Joshua Zudu at left guard. I mean, are they playing with fire with these different combinations? Do you, I mean, ideally, can you get away with – you know, rotating, or is it just better to have one consistent unit if you can at all, you know, arrange for it? Yeah, in an ideal world, you would always opt for consistency along the offensive line. I, I used to, back in the day at ESPN, we got a lot of access to True Media and the stat platform there, and they used to track offensive line combinations, how many snaps each particular offensive line iteration played for a team in a given year. And just anecdotally, I would look up at the end of most seasons just to see. And more often than not, the teams that were in the playoffs, the teams that were in the Super Bowl were teams that were in the top 10, top five of snap counts for their starting offensive line that had made it there because it's twofold, right? One, it's indicative that you've been healthy, which is the number one overall thing that you prize in the NFL season. But two, also with that position in particular, the communication necessary to be successful, especially against the high-end defenses, the multiple defenses that you see now, the premium on having a group that's played a lot of time together is hard to quantify at times. Like I remember when I was with the Saints in the offseason, Jari Evans and Zach Streif had been the offensive line on that right side for like nine years together. And the rest of us, you got calls for situations, you know, how many guys are we sliding in a certain direction here? What's the blitz look we have and how are we going to adjust to it? We would have code words and calls for all that stuff. And Zach and Streif, Zach and Ja would just be able to look out at the situation that they've both seen together over and over again for years on end. And Zach would just go, ja, ja, ja. And Ja would go, I know, I know, I know. Like they wouldn't have to communicate anything specific because they both saw the game the same way. The charge for an offensive line is to have five guys see everything through one set of eyes. And you only get that outcome if you've got enough reps together. And so again, part of that is the luxury of injury and performance. If you've got good guys who are healthy, that's a lot easier than the Giants who are searching for the best five. The problem for them is again, you can search for the best five and have a lot easier time when your first three opponents don't include the 49ers and the Dallas Cowboys. Like you're going against two defenses where with their best players and pass rushers, if you don't have four hands on them at all times, bad things are going to happen. And that's once again, going to be the challenge this week is you've got to scheme around just keeping your quarterback upright. When you're playing against the 49ers, you've got to find a way every single play to look over for Nick Bosa or Eric Armstead and say, all right, We've got to account resources for them. It can't just be we call our production like normal. It's we got to figure out where chip help's going. We got to figure out where the slide's going on that play. And when you're trying to do all that where you're finding your best five, you're, you're fighting an uphill battle. It really, you just need to kind of get clear of and make sure everyone comes out healthy because it's an overwhelming strength on, on weakness right now. Mike, the Giants offense has struggled to, to start quick. And this is a problem going back to last year, you can, you can say. What did they need to do in order to come out of the gate a little bit faster than what they what we've seen so far with this coaching regime? Yeah, and I want to give this. I mean, Brian Dable, Mike Hatfield, like they're incredible coaches and incredible scheme coaches, and did so well last year in maxing out the strengths of this roster, and in a way that was markedly different than what they did in Buffalo. You and I talked about that. Is the Brian Dable offense we saw last year wasn't the stuff he was running with Josh in Buffalo. 
And so I think right now they're dealing with a lot of the things that we talked about. But the key to starting fast for me is always getting your quarterback into a rhythm early and finding the things that work best and easiest for him. For different guys, that's early rushing attempts. For different guys, that's, hey, I need a quick completion. I need a shot. I need to get hit early. Whatever it is that your quarterback needs, I tend to start with the head of the snake and say if you're looking for a fast start, some guys that's tempo. You know, Can you come out and alleviate some of the stress that's caused by an offensive line that's still coming together and a skill group that you're waiting to see develop for some of the downfield stuff? Can you overcompensate that by coming out and going a little bit of tempo to start, things like that? So I, I, for the Giants, it's going to be tough because, again, some of this just just quality of opponent early on in the season that they're going to be going against. But I think as they go along now in a world without Saquon Barkley, at least consistently, we'll see You know what the long-term prognosis is. It really is going to be catering to what your quarterback does best. Hey, Giant fans, our partner at eBay Motors has teamed up with Lachlan Fantasy Football host Vinny Iyer to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week all season long. Whether you're prepping for a daily draft or scouting the waiver wire, every week we're going to provide you with players that are guaranteed to fit on your roster. And if you're looking for a guaranteed fit at a bargain, Chiefs second-year running back Isaiah Pacheco hasn't delivered much to his fantasy football managers yet this season, but... Be sure to roll him out of the garage for plenty of production on the ground, cleaning up against a bad Bears overall defense in week three. Pacheco should break some chunk runs with an excellent shot to score to provide punctuation in a home blowout. And Giant fans, while Vinny Iyer from Lockdown Fantasy Football helps you win your fantasy championship, know that eBay Motors knows a championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay's guaranteed fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at ebay.com motors eBay's guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers, eligible items only, exclusions apply. All right, we're talking with Mike Golick Jr. He is the co-host of the Gojo and Golick podcast. And Mike, let's talk about the defense right now, because the Giants defense has gotten off to a really sluggish start as well. And we didn't really notice it as much in the Cowboys game because of the, you know, the historic lopsidedness of that game, but we could kind of saw it again last week, you know, right now the giants don't have any sacks. I think they're one of eight teams as of last night at any rate without an interception. What's missing from that giants defense that needs to just pop out and get this unit going. Well, and I think, remember, it was the, the the lack of playmaking last year that was the story at the start of the season. I mean, how many games they went without an interception on that back end before it finally was just seeing the ball go through the basket, basket once on that is such an underrated thing for a defense. And we know turnovers are wildly inconsistent year to year. It's something that you put yourself in the best position to get there, but ultimately, you know, it's it, it sometimes factors outside of your control. I would say for them, Kayvon Thibodeau is still the guy that I look at. He came on so strong at the end of last year. You just have seen him flash, get on the edge for guys at some point this year. But I think he's the guy up front. We know 
Sexy Dexy and everything he does for that defense up front. He's a monster in so many ways. But as far as a game changer, I think Kayvon's got to be that guy for you. And so I think some of the end season production that you got last year is going to start to have to show up sooner. And again, I know I'm beating a dead horse with this, but you played a Dallas Cowboys offense week one that's going to prove to be one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. You look at the tackles in that situation, recently paid Terrence Steele, Tyron Smith, who's a future Hall of Famer. That whole offensive line group, though, while they've been a little banged up to start the year at left guard, is still one of the best in football. And then now you're getting ready to go up against a 49ers team that has the best, you know, the best left tackle in football for the last number of years in Trent Williams and a scheme overall that gives those guys a lot of help up front for the rest of that group too. And so this is a unique challenge because of how much East-West action the 49ers offense can give you that Shanahan's always been so adept at, and they're going to have a good plan. They know what it's like because they have to attack a great rusher in camp every day and in practice every day. So it's once again one of those things that I, I think some of these guys are still really good players, but I just think the matchups in the early going here because both sides of the ball contribute to it, aren't working in favor of a team trying to find its way. When you look at this this defense, does it look to you like it's still kind of playing maybe a tick or two too slow, like they're still trying to feel each other out, feel out the schemes? Because remember, in the, the, the uh, exhibition season, they really didn't play a whole lot, and there's no substituting live game reps in practice, you just can't do it because, you know, you've got limitations as to you can't hit the quarterback, you can't tackle, et cetera, et cetera. So do you detect maybe that this Giants defense is playing just a tad slow at this point? Oh, absolutely. And I think that to me is one of the common threads around the NFL at this point in the season. I mean, post the 2011 CBA where so many of the rules about on-field practice time change, and we've seen the preseason change now, fewer games and fewer teams putting their guys out there because they're so concerned about injury. There's kind of, I think, been this quiet admission that the first quarter of the NFL season has sort of become a pseudo preseason. And I would say especially along the lines of scrimmage, where we go back to the conversation we had about how important reps are in the trenches, you just don't get as many live contact reps in those areas. And so because of that, yeah, I think we see sloppy play around the league. I mean, God, look at Monday Night Football from this past week and defenses and offenses that you know, those were, I think, three elite defenses that we saw in the Monday Night Football doubleheader, but the offenses looked sloppy as all get off. The timing looked off for all of them. And so, yeah, I think the Giants have looked a little bit hesitant at times, a little bit step slow, but I also think that's kind of a product of the current iteration of the NFL schedule and how teams have chose to approach that. When you look up front at the, at the uh, front seven, a guy who's kind of been uncharacteristically quiet has been Leonard Williams. What are you seeing in this game? Does he still look hurt to you or is it, is it, has his role changed? Why do you think he's kind of been, you know, I don't want to say invisible. It could be also what they're asking of him, but he hasn't made as many impactful plays, at least, you know, to the naked eye. Yeah. It hasn't been that same pop. And again, it's just, I, I guess for me, I still go back to like, you're really basically dealing with a one game sample size right now. Right. Because, I kind of throw out the Cowboys game altogether. That game got away from them so quickly that I find it really hard. Like we talked a lot, me and my dad about, you know, how do you approach that as a team after a game like that? And the thought is like, and and, you know, we talked to uh, Darius Slayton after that game and he's like, we're going to watch that tape once to kind of get the things out of it that we need to, some of the corrections that need to be made. 
But then after that, you really kind of bury it because it's one loss one week. And when it gets that out of whack that early on, nothing about the game script is something that really is going to be informative about football that's played in the NFL by and large in really close margin. This isn't college football where you get blowouts like that all the time. You know this. Like it's it's just it's so hard to try and use that as something that we can indicate going forward. So I almost looked at that one. All right, well, really good offensive line that was working from the ultimate position of advantage going up against this Giants defense that's just looking around trying to tread water at that point based on all the defense and special team scores that you saw for Dallas on the other side. And then this Arizona team's kind of like trying to hit mist at this point. They're weird to get their arms around because no one expected them to be that good. And so I think I'm not going to read too much into Leonard's play yet and just basically say that the first couple of weeks are, are tough and ugly for a lot of people. And we've seen very few teams, quite frankly, outside of a team like the 49ers. There haven't been a lot of teams that I think have come out and played clean football. We've seen spurts of good football, but we haven't seen a ton of clean football. Even looking in the division, the Philadelphia Eagles have not looked like the dominant force that they were over the course of a lot of last season for any number of reasons right now. They had a lot of turnover there, but even with the quality of that roster, it still hasn't looked perfect in some of the areas like linebacker where we know they've lost guys. And so, uh, again, I, I'm understanding that everyone's really kind of still working their way into this. On offense, you know, people say the Giants are missing a number one receiver, which, you know, they could still get. But what are they missing on defense, do you think, that can put them over the top? I, I really just think we talked about, like, having – I don't think in this league at the juncture we're at right now, there's any substitute for having a dominant pass rusher. So many of the teams that we talked about in this podcast, like, you know, the 49ers, the, you know, what we saw last night with TJ Watt uh, and company in Pittsburgh, when you look around the league at all the best defenses, even Cleveland and Miles Garrett, like you're talking about teams that have found dominant edge rushers, at least one of them. And in some cases, multiple guys along the interior and, Having someone that you've got to spend time and resources game planning against every week, I think, again, Kayvon's got that potential in him. But at that point, he's not there to where all of a sudden you're an offense, you can go out and you can run your stuff the way that you have designed. You'll have some stuff in there because this is always a league that's going to cater and game plan to what the opponent's going to do best. But it's not like those other teams yet where there are guys up front where you go and turn and watch every snap that someone's playing the Pittsburgh Steelers. If you don't have four hands on TJ Watt, you're risking your quarterback's health and safety, and you're risking the ability of that play to even get off and function. And so I think that to me, because you've got a guy in the roster that you drafted for that purpose who's got that potential, is always the easiest place to start. Football's built from the quarterback back right now and always has been. And so you draw the line from that player to the guys that can most immediately either help or hurt that position, and you find the highest impact potential in the NFL. And that's, I think, where the easiest place to start would be. Sticking with Kayvon for a moment, you know, a lot of expectation, a lot of, you know, optimism about him. He's off to kind of a slow start, but to be fair, you know, what he's being asked to do is obviously different than say what Micah Parsons might be asked to do or, or Bosa might be asked to do. But that being said, what we have seen Thibodeau being asked to do, where is he still needing to to step up and and kind of you know get on track thus far uh consistency i think for young players you know we we see the top end flashes those have been there and that was what was so exciting about last year but it's being able to do it down in down out when you do start to garner the attention of other teams and having a plan and not getting frustrated as 
you're getting attacked differently than other people and you're getting more eyes your way. Like there is an inherent frustration with defensive players. That was always our goal. And you know, on the offensive side is, especially with great athletes like that, you want to throw a lot at them early so they get frustrated. Those guys are Ferraris, which means they run great until a pebble pops up into the engine. And then the minute something's a little bit off, all of a sudden you start to take some of the heat off that fastball. And so for players in his position, the challenge is, hey, all right, if people are going to be looking at me and playing me in that way, hey, I, I have to have the ability to mentally stay locked in and understand that eventually opportunities are going to present themselves and then it's consistently being able to go out there and execute when you get one-on-one matchups and when you get the opportunities to do that. So, you know, with, with Thibodeau, I mean, he, he focused on, you know, cleaning up some of his bad plays from last year. And we saw him in training camp every day, just putting in the extra time and whatnot. So, you know, if, if I'm hearing you correctly, Mike, you sense there's maybe a little frustration that's affecting the consistency or are just people playing him a little bit differently because of that potential he brings to the game? Uh, no, I think, I mean, I, I don't know if specifically there's frustration within him. You know, I, you know, while he's very candid and usually giving of information, I haven't heard or seen that from him. So I'm not going to put those words in his mouth, but I, I think it's just more in the, you know, in the approach, like it, it's being able to guard against that stuff when you're expected to be the number one guy on a defensive front, the way they drafted. Hey, Giant fans, if you're looking for a fun and different way to play fantasy football this season, you need to check out Prize Picks. Just pick two or more players, predict their stats, and sit back and see how they perform. It takes less than 60 seconds to make an entry, and best of all, you can turn a few bucks into some nice cash with the right projections. Prize Picks is the number one daily fantasy sports app known for its quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and wide selection of players and stat types. And they offer weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts like Taco Tuesday, when each Tuesday, Prize Picks discounts select player projections up to 25% off to provide even more value. So, what are you waiting for? Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL and use the promo code locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL. And that promo code is locked on NFL for your first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. All right. Now, swinging back to the offense here, I want to talk about Daniel Jones because he continues to be a lightning rod that divides the, the giant fan base. You've got people who love him, and you still have people who think he's the quote unquote trash can Dan. Um, I'm not sure why they still feel that way, but based on what we've seen so far from Daniel Jones, I mean, I look at him and I see an offensive line that's made his life a little bit more difficult. He hasn't had the opportunity necessarily to open it up, hit some of those deep targets down the field, at least not until this past week. What do they need to do in order to to get him, you know, comfortable into a groove? And, you know, do you see a difference in his play this year as opposed to last year? No, I mean, I, I kind of see what, like, we're in year two of the offense that's finally come here and been able to maximize to the best of his ability, right? Like, he's now he's now getting very good high-end coaching here for the second year. He's had another offseason with this team, but he's not getting protected right now in the early going. And so it's hard to truly evaluate a quarterback there. I kind of see the guy we always see, very good quarterback. Not a great quarterback at this point, but a very good quarterback. And 
you know, people are going to, I think, wrongly use the contract to slight Daniel Jones. You know, you see people saying that this is your $40 million a year quarterback. Like we all saw the way this contract was structured. It was an understanding on both sides that, hey, we believe that there is even better in the future of this player with this current staff. And for Daniel, it's, hey, I believe I've accomplished a fair amount at the right time. You've got that great playoff run and win at the exact time where your contract's coming up. And so you've got great leverage, but we understand that he still wasn't the sole focus of that offense's success last year. And this was a team predicated on what they were doing on the ground. So this is a player that's got incredible ability, has gone out and maxed uh, and gotten close to maxing a lot of that early, but still has a lot more he can accomplish, but quarterback's a dependent position. And he just does not, you know, I don't think they did enough still going out in the off season to necessarily add to weapons around that offense that were going to make life totally easier. You know, Darren Wall is a great player, but we know injury is always a part of the conversation. And he came into the season dealing with the hamstring. So that was automatically on people's radar, but then a wide receiver around it, it's, you know, you didn't go out and get a dominant number one guy from anyone. And so you're still asking the quarterback to do a lot in circumstances that aren't totally ideal, especially while the O-line's banged up and young. All right. Now, Mike, just kind of spinning ahead to the Thursday night game. Nobody is really giving the Giants a chance against the 49ers who are just absolutely loaded. You know, they're coming off an appearance in the NFC championship game last year. But if the Giants want to at least stand toe to toe with the 49ers, what are some of the X factors that they need to have in this game in order to to maybe give themselves a chance? Uh, I mean, just go out there and cut it loose. Like there's no point in coming in and trying to play too conservatively here. I would take some of those shots downfield. Obviously, anytime you're playing against the front, like the 49ers, there are certain things that you always kind of have to do to try and take the bite off a defensive front like that. Screens and draws early on, make use of your quarterback's legs, anything you can try to do, like we said about Kayvon, to slow down guys that want to get upfield and raise hell. you got to have a plan for Nick Bosa, like I said, on every single snap. If you're going to drop back and pass, you've got to say, all right, what running back are we sending over there? Are we putting a tight end on that side of the field? Are we sliding protection that way? It's got to be something or else he's going to get home. Like that's He's one of those guys, you put him one-on-one, especially at this point for the Giants where without Andrew Thomas on the field, you don't have a guy that's capable of going one-on-one with him right now. Having a plan for him on every single uh, you know offensive snap that he's going to be out there. And then defensively for them, it's – you know, hey, try and make life difficult for the former Mr. Irrelevant who so far has looked up to it. Like it, it the problem is just picking who you stop first. And at this point, I still haven't quite figured out because for a while with the Chiefs, you could kind of figure out, hey, if you bothered Travis Kelsey at the line of scrimmage, that seemed to be the prescription for at least giving yourself a chance. I still haven't quite figured out where the head of the snake is for this 49ers team. You could say maybe Christian McCaffrey because the amount of stuff that he does. I think George Kittle's a guy that can play really selfless football at times. You know, Early in the season, week one, he spent a lot of his time just trying to bother T.J. Watt when they were playing the Steelers, and he didn't have the most dominant offensive game. But the minute all of a sudden you get him loose, he can affect you in that way. And so I, I think for them, it's really trying to figure out, hey, pick one of these guys, maybe Brandon Ayuk, who early in the season has looked like the true number one receiver for them, has really grown into that role. you got to pick who you're going to slow down and then say, all right, we're going to have to do that. We're going to have to try our best to send guys and bother um, bother the quarterback there in Brock Purdy uh, and, and kind of take some risks there because if not, this offense can death by a thousand cuts you as well or better as anybody in the league. So I'd say it's 
you know, have a plan for Bosa on the other side and then try and get to Purdy as often as you can, as early as you can. All right, Mike, great stuff. Appreciate you coming on. Folks, you can find him on Gojo and Golick, which anchors DraftKings Network weekday morning show from 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. on Samsung TV Plus and DraftKingsNetwork.com. And it's also available via audio wherever you can find your podcasts on Spotify, Apple, and again, wherever you find your podcasts. Mike, I appreciate you coming on with me. Um, it was always great talking football with you. This was your second, I think your second or third time on the pod. So it's it a pleasure. So I want to wish you good luck with your podcast. Giant fans, make sure you keep it here on the Locked on Giants podcast. We have crossover Thursday coming up tomorrow, and then we'll do a review on Friday of the Giants and 49ers Thursday night football matchup. For Mike Golick Jr., I'm Patricia Traina. Giant fans, we will see you tomorrow.